Welcome, this is Stepping Into Creativity, a podcast in which we explore the magic that happens when creativity, art and education meet. We are a group of professionals and pioneers from Ireland, Greece, Serbia, Austria and the Netherlands working together. By sharing stories, we hope to learn about successful practices throughout Europe and inspire you with the lessons learned. I am Lena Rosink and I am Manja Eland. We are your hosts. Back on the air again today, Manja, we're going to listen to an interview that you had. Can you tell us something about who you spoke to? Yes, I spoke to Yolanda Schouten from the Netherlands. She's a visual artist, also lecturer at the College of the Arts, HKU, Hogeschool for the Kunsten. And she is involved in a project we also work in, Creatief Vermogen Utrecht, which you could translate as creative competence. And it's a project where schools and cultural organizations work together to enhance cultural education. Of course, we know her, just like you said. But can you tell us something about what she talked about? Very different perspectives, actually, because we explored her work as an artist and how she works also within this project as an artist with children and also more from the project management role, so on the bigger network. So it's nice to combine the perspectives. Yeah, that sounds very interesting and multi-layered. <laughs> yes, definitely. And do you have any other takeaways? It's nice to visit her website. She makes this very big-sized watercolors on plants, but she also uses the same work in connecting to visitors, children and refugees, actually. So it's nice to have a look at that. It will be mostly in Dutch. Well, the images can be multilingual. <laughs> yes, they can speak for themselves, true. <laughs> yeah. Of course, we're going to share the website of Jolanda Schouten and also of Creative Competence in the show notes. Let's dive into the episode. Good morning, Jolanda, and welcome to today's podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes. Good morning, Manja. Good to hear you. I'm Jolanda Schouten. I live and work in Utrecht, city in the center of Holland. I'm a visual artist already for more than 30 years. Education and art, being an artist, is very intertwined with each other in my practice. I work for Utrecht University of the Arts. I teach fine art first and second year students concerning the local work field. And I'm a part of Creatief Vermogen Utrecht mm -hmm. already since 2013, already from the start, in which we work with creative partnerships in the city. And uh, yes, and in which we know each other as well, I thought I'd mention, uh, so people know. But we'll get to that later. Mm -hmm. Please continue. Sorry for interrupting you. And I love gardening a lot and working together with people, which is also coming together in my practice as a painter. Can you describe a bit how does that show up in your paintings? Well, I think the last 10, 12 years I'm working a lot watercolor paintings, which is centered on the theme of gardening and plants and the circularity of what is happening in nature surrounding me in my super small backyard garden. I started there with the daily drawings uh, for some years and then the drawings exploded into huge watercolor paintings. And I set up a garden uh, together with the people from my neighborhood. And I also have a little vegetable garden here around the corner. And this is all material for the work. And last year I had a 
project called Flower Bomb, which was inside also. I was actually embedded in our own project, Creative Vermogen Utrecht, as an artist. So I didn't have to be the strategic, didactic person, but I could be the crazy artist, which was really lovely. And I worked together a lot with kids and talked about nature and plants and gardening. And I also worked together with all different kinds of people, students, but also refugees from the ASSC, in which we set up a project about embroidery and embroidering plants. And this is all a way to connect to people. So I use my work a lot to talk to people, to connect to people. And I have noticed that plants and flowers are something most people turn, well, they are linked to that in a way. So some people refer to their own garden or to the specific plants or botanical knowledge, but also the love of color and the tactility of it. And with these people from all over the world, I've noticed that plants and flowers are in a way about beauty and about attention. And uh, it opened people actually up. And that is what art, well, the meaning of art for me is to open up each other's world and get connected. Wonderful. There's so much to unpack here already in your introduction. (laughs) Uh, So let's stick with the flowers and your project there for a little bit. Yeah. It's on the location of one of the partners, I believe, of Creatief Vermogen Utrecht. Yeah. It is one of our first partners, uh-huh. like yourself, Copa is also one of the protagonists, which is the Vrijstaat. And the Vrijstaat is situated and working in the Phoenix of Utrecht, in Leidse Rijn, this huge new extra city, which is one third of the population of the whole of the city will find a home there. So it's really a huge new neighborhood. And the Vrijstaat is situated there in one of the few old farms that still are there, run by art director Daphne de who is a theater maker and she started the Vrijstaat some 10 years ago when the city asked her to make a link between the people living there and the huge art project that was centered there at the start of this building project and then there was a complaint which is well you know you think oh there we go again we drop again in our big hole so there were artists from all over the world putting up really great projects but the new citizens said what is this you know there's not even a stop or there's not even a supermarket and what do we have to do with all this art and Daphne was asked to link this together in which she is very good and the Freistadt grew and grew and started the theater academy because the school where the kids from Daphne were didn't do anything with theater so she put it up that and then it grew you could go Camping there as a young kid from the neighborhood without your parents in this art week. And then the Children's Art Academy started. And now they are working really for young people from 6 to 26. So really young children to young adults. That is their main focus. And they also take care of a lovely artwork Mm -hmm. from Stanley Brown. Stanley Brown is a conceptual Dutch Suriname artist and he built up there together with Bertus Mulder who is very famous because he worked a lot together with Rietveld mm-hmm. and they put up this building which is in a cross so it is like a compass and I was the artist in residence last year there and I made a project there called Flower Bomb in which I set up four different gardens on north, south, east and west. And made a lovely project there. It really is lovely. So your work, I visited it. So 
I can describe it a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. So you have this white cubicle box building in the middle of a fairly new bit of the city. And then inside it's an explosion of your thin bamboo, I believe, papers and the watercolors and flowers. Mm -hmm. And it's a very meditative surrounding as well. Yeah. As you mentioned before, to really engage with the artwork and the flowers and to connect with yourself and with the work in a very quiet, going inside way. Yeah. So I really like how the surroundings and the work complement each other. And you mentioned you were an artist in residence there. Yeah. Does this mean you worked on location? I believe some schools came to visit as well. Well, yeah, a lot of schools, actually. Of course, we had a problem with the lockdown. So the first month we couldn't open up and we experimented a lot with online classes and online visits, which went well. Between 40 different classes uh, visited the exhibition. And then the program of the Freistadt is... Well, the idea, the vision of the Freistadt on arts and art education is master apprentice. Yes. And then so you have the master apprentice and then the students. So the young children from the Children's Art Academy could be level up to be an apprentice and actually at the end somewhere in their life yeah. uh, be the master themselves. That's the idea. And the idea is to get to know the art and artists by working yourself, by making yourself. So within the exhibition, within Flower Bomb, there were five different workshops uh, in each part. And so we had a workshop in North. North was really about growing plants like a greenhouse. And uh, we worked together there. I had a connection with guerrilla gardeners. So we had a place there to make your own flower bombs and to work with clay and bulbs. And on the south part of the exhibition, I invited one of my former students to set up a tea garden. This is from Marlene Camellia sinensis. Camellia sinensis mm. means tea, a plant. And she pronounced herself as a wellness witch or a green witch. So she uses all this witchcraft and this green knowledge, this plant knowledge in her tea garden and in her tea ceremonies, which she does like a ritual. And children could compose their own tea, which was really nice because there were young children that said, tea, oh, I don't like that. And then in a small group, some tried it. And some really thought, uh, well, this is really terrible mix I've made. But, but most of them said, oh, <laughs> I've made the most wonderful mix I've ever tasted. That's so sweet. <laughs> so, <this laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then upstairs in the building, which is strange because this building is built in a cross, there's something strange happening in your orientation. So because you turn 90 degrees... You totally, well, I totally and most people totally are mixed up in what direction are we now. And then there was a garden on east and on west. And on east, it was really the inner garden, the silence garden, where you could sit on the floor. There were a lot of vases there with plants, some living, but most of them dead. <laughs> the deader, the better, I always believe. Because you can make this alive again by drawing and painting and the life yeah. is getting into it. And uh, you could uh, take a seat there and just, there was a soundscape made by uh, James de Jong, a student from music, musician 3.0. And you could really dive into a conversation with a plant and transform it into a drawing. 
Wonderful. So you're sharing a lot about what your visitors are experiencing. Mm -hmm. But I remember in our introduction, you said within this context, I get to be the crazy artist. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> how do you define that? What does this project bring you? Well, it brings me a lot of joy and, and pleasure and able to really live all the associations that I have. And because I worked with this wonderful team of the Vrijstaat, Mm-hmm. It gave me wings because they supported me in every way. They take care of materials, the appointments with schools and visitors. So I didn't have to worry about it. And I could really focus on my own uh, creative process and build together crazy ideas and make them happen. You know, because they were there. I couldn't say, well, no, I do it next week or next month or something. No, you know, we had a deadline and we did it. So we did a lot and um, it was really wonderful. Okay, so that's nice. So that's something to take away from this, maybe for our listeners as well. When organizing an artist in residency, it really helps for the experience of the artist to facilitate in all the things surrounding the project. So they're not distracted by too much of the practical stuff. Mm -hmm. And what about your other roles? Because within Creatief Vermogen Utrecht, which is part of Culture Education with Quality, which is a nationwide project, Mm -hmm. which are always periods of four years. And I know so within our city, we have it organized a little bit differently because it started out before this project, Creative Partnerschappen, Creative Partnerships. Can you take us on a journey through how this learning network we managed to create, how it came along? Well, Utrecht already worked a lot with creative partnerships before this program started. And I think we also were really inspired by what the English are doing on that aspect. So there was a visit, I think, more than 10 years ago, something like that, from the some partners in the city and the city's government went on a trip to England to visit how is creativity and uh, art education organized in schooling in England. Maybe you even know more about that, Maya, because you also dived in it. Yeah, and with Europe in perspective, we had Paul Collard visit us. We did, yeah. Um, yeah. Which was quite inspirational. Mm-hmm. I didn't go with you to England at that time. No, I wasn't there. I was still uh, working in the moors of uh, Almere, you know, below sea level. It was really below sea level in all different kind of aspects. So I was really happy to be back in uh, the city. And then, well, there was a kind of a monitoring on these uh, different uh, creative partnerships. What did they work and what came out of it? And, uh, well, everyone was working very nice together, but the knowledge really stayed in the partnership and there was no connection in between. Mm -hmm. And then out of the University of the Arts, we took the initiative to start up together with organization in the, the city that was mandatory from out of the government funding. We connected that and we really thought, well, we start bottom up. So what's happening in these different partnerships and how can we extract it from that? And develop it together in a learning network form. So in the first four years, we really were busy by putting up this uh, city network. It was a period in which all funding was severely, from the arts, was severely cut down Mm -hmm. by the central government. There was a little money left for education. So a lot of art institutions that were part of Creative Vermogen Utrecht, from which you really know the English name. Well, they really had a hard time to survive. So a lot of partners take took part on uh, this project because they really had a big heart for art education. But there were also some 
well, that were trying out, but it was also a kind of a motivation to be there because there was funding to be able to... Yeah, it was a necessity to survive. An urgency. So we had to filter that out in the first period. We had to really to get to know each other. It was a really bumpy and very intense period with uh, soup manifestations because the partners thought that we were much too dominant and that we took control of everything. But well, you know, after these four years, we came to a point that we had the base of the network standing and uh, we applied for a second period in which we really dived into schooling ourselves, the teachers in schools, but also the educators and also ourselves in this creative process because our goal is to get the kids that are in uh, our network actually we would love to have all the children in Utrecht be connected with their own creative process to give their, their own creativity in their own hands and for that we really need to well connect to schools and teachers that's a really big ambition yeah to refer back to the first four years i think it really it took some time which makes sense, of course, if you're, we were 10, 11, 12, I don't know, creative partners or bigger and smaller organizations mm-hmm. trying to co-create, trying to survive at the same time, building trust, building strategies for communication. And that was just that part. We also worked as organizations with several schools trying to build trust in there. Then the teachers building trust in the artists or the creative organizations they're working with. Then the children getting used to it. So it was a very dynamic time indeed. Mm -hmm. And I think, well, I think we got through quite well. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Seeing that we are now already in our third tranche with quite a lot of people who were there from the start. Yeah, yeah. It was a really interesting period because, you know, to form a kind of a group or, well, sometimes I call it our Italian family, Mm -hmm. which all these different characters and all these different emotions. Well, there's a process to get through, to find trust and to build trust in each other, to build up something bigger than your own organization and bigger than our own art institute, which is a kind of uh, a getting together and a foundation for the whole of the network. I think that's also a challenge many of our listeners will be facing. Do you have any lessons learned you could share with us? Like a do this, maybe don't do this. <laughs> well, the partner we choose of Temis or choose us, I don't know how that uh, exactly uh, happened. This uh, organization had different roles, so it was not really clear what was for what. And mostly, I think, in a financial way, There was a lot of misunderstanding and some fakeness and it was not transparent, which was not good for the trust we just mentioned. So we had a kind of a false start in it. And that is something when we should do it all over again, that would be focus point number one. So with whom are you setting up this network? You know, who are the key players and what is really their motivation and goal? And that you are clear about that. Yes, and probably also to have clear boundaries between the different roles. So what can you expect of each other? Exactly, yeah. And what was something you'd say, Yeah. keep that? Yeah. Well, what is really dear to me in this project is that, and it is going, you know, it's a bumpy road, but the contact between school teachers, children and artists, that there's a conversation between those different worlds, because it, it really are different worlds. That is what is really close to me. What's really dear to me and which is very important also. 
So that uh, artists try to understand what is happening in schools and uh, school teachers try to understand what is happening in the artist, in the artist's heart and to put up this task together to help, uh, to have the children in mind and to help them to make them grow. Do you remember a moment where you saw or witnessed a child having one of these magical growing moments? Yes. Yeah, very much in my own because I was, it was a time ago that I really was in class myself. Mm-hmm. And in these small painting classes we did, you know, I came in with a bunch of flowers and uh, talked a little bit about their experience in the exhibition, about their tea experience. And all the kids really knew, oh, I had this and this and this mix. I had camel and I had Timian, I had lavender. And it was a lovely combination. And we talked about plants and how they are built up and about research and about make a combination of that. And then, well, actually with a lot of kids and teachers, they painted the stars in the sky in, well, I think in 40 minutes or something. You know, every work was really lovely and the kids were really surprised what they could do. And the teachers also were so happy to see these children work on something like this. It's lovely how they get to see another side of the children they teach uh, during art class, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's why it's so important that they are a part of it. I think another way within the network you're trying to make the children part of their mm-hmm. own growing or developing mm-hmm. is with the diamond slipper. So let me see how would we translate that. <laughs> diamond, <laughs> diamond is diamond. Slipper is to, well, maybe we should call it polisher. Yes. So the diamond polisher, yeah. which is... Yeah like children's objectives or goals that they are on little cards Mm -hmm. and they can use it for themselves. Can you share a little bit about that? Well, the the diamond slipper, the polisher actually, to make it more clear or to to emphasize different parts of this diamond. We use the diamond as a metaphor for the very individual creative process because creative process is super individual. Of course, there are some main things which you work on, but for every human being, it is very specific. And we use this metaphor of the diamond to give a kind of a handout for teachers. So when we talk about creative process, which is a container, begrip, what is begrip? Container statement, it's a very big word. It's a container statement. So what are we talking about? Mm-hmm. So actually the same question is, you, can you give a specific moment in which you saw yeah. this and this? And so the diamond has nine... Uh, Facets or sides? Yeah, sides in which different parts which are part of the creative process are mentioned. So it's about imagination. It is about creative thinking, but it's also about working together, about being aware of your environment. And there are also a few parts that go about reflection and evaluation. And one of them is to get grip on your own creative process and to be able to self-learning or self help or steering yourself and um, well this of course was for the grown-ups but then we thought my lovely colleague Salome put this up we thought well we have to make something for the children in their own language and doing so it was also a kind of a tool for teachers because this idea of the diamond was still quite abstract So we try to make it as concrete as possible for for young children from four to six. So we divided it in different groups. 
And these cards are little drawings about issues you come across in your creative process or things you could try out. For instance, by making mistakes or failure. Of course, there's a lot being said and written about the importance of failure. Mm -hmm. But still, I notice in classes that is not so normal. That children tend to uh, see their failure once, uh, you know, um, or they make a beautiful painting. I saw it. And then they're not happy with their own painting. Mm-hmm. And it's really tragical, I feel, uh, to see that, even by these really young young kids. And the diamond uh, polisher helps actually to name it, what is happening uh, there, and how you could use this. So you can set an intention. You could pick a card and which say, hey, today I see a failure as an opportunity to do something else. Or I'm doing something which I think I can't do, but try it out. Or look at my image, but I will put it upside down and look at it otherwise. So it is actually a kind of a handout or a kind of a working method to reflect on the work, but also something that is giving trust and is helpful to encourage the work you're busy with. And for teachers, it is a way to start the conversation with children on a different level than, oh, this is a beautiful work you've made, or oh, this is not working, or oh, could you do this or this, or oh, what do you mean by this, you know? So not so much about meaning and about the why. So why are you doing this, but what are you actually doing? And how can you take another step? So it's more about research, actually. Yeah, and process, and not as much about results. No. What I also really like about this metaphor of the diamond is that you... So there are all these nine different facets. Mm -hmm. And of course, they are all there. But within a process, it's like if you shine a lamp on it, it's also always some parts of it glowing which will be more in the foreground and more visible. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that not everything is there. Yeah. But you can choose your focus point. And I really like the yeah. flexibility of looking at it that way. Yeah. Also, in your own creative, eh, we mentioned, we talked about this very individual mm-hmm. own creative process, but which is also every day is different. Yeah. So every day this diamond looks different also because the light is every day it is a different light. Yeah. So it gives you a lot of opportunities and a lot of different perspectives to work. Yeah. So and these cards can be used as prompts. They're quite flexible. I know they're for the different age groups in primary school mm-hmm. and you don't want to do them all at once, but you can pick one in the beginning of for the whole class or you can have your kids pick one. I know one of my partner's schools has been experimenting with them as well. And he really he takes two or three in the start of a class and it really changes the way he can reflect in the end, I know. We'll link everything we're talking about in the show notes, but most of it will be in Dutch. We'll also link your own website so people can see the very big, colorful watercolors. Nice. So if they do visit the site of Creatief Vermogen Utrecht and are able to read Dutch, they will read that the city is working towards an open framework. Let me see how to say this in English. Mm-hmm. A leerlijn. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just say learning line for now. Learning line. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. A curriculum, I guess. But And so you have the framework with these very individual partnerships in between mm-hmm. uh, sharing their knowledge between each other and developing different tools. 
Mm-hmm. Are there any other tools you would like to share? Yeah, what we did, of course, was uh, by setting this point when we started. So trying to connect the knowledge which was experienced and made actually in the different partnerships before we had this work is to connect them and to develop them more together and one of the outcome of that is of course the, the diamond polisher we did that was of course an initiative of salome but it was not made by salome alone it was really together with uh, school teachers uh, together with uh, creative partners we set that up together And you yourself, of course, were one of the partners that uh, put up this game about, well, when I'm working on art education, what am I working on? Or what is connected to my school? What is the vision on education in general for my school? And how can I connect art and art education in it? So you put up this uh, game, dot, third, three, left. Yeah, so that's one more for the start, I guess, When the, because there really there was a demand on schools to formulate their vision at the time we developed that. Yeah. So government stated, okay, well, we want to switch the funds. This is also nice to learn a little bit about the context. Mm-hmm. Before that, a lot of the funding that was available would go to the organizations who would disseminate it into creative projects for schools. Mm-hmm. Now the change was the money would go to schools and they would have more autonomy, but they had to have a plan yeah. and a vision on why they were doing what they were doing Yeah. in between all the other things they were doing. So there was really a need for a tool that would make it easy to together talk about why are we doing this. And that's what does a lot of cards, cards again, but then in this for teachers to talk amongst themselves. Yeah, it is a method to really get in contact in a conversation in a kind of deep conversation with each other about what is for you and for this school for your personal but then for your class for this school the meaning of art education Mm. so more than only about skills is very important also to have skills to how you can use a brush or color or a camera or a computer and then in the second layer but what is it really learning and what does this process of learning bring children and teachers more than only in art classes and art lessons so can it also make a connection to mathematics to the sciences of earth and all these different kind of subjects yeah that's something That is, I don't like the word trending, but it's going around a lot. How can we connect the arts to the other subjects? Exactly. And make cross-curricular enhancements, I guess. Yeah, and make learning meaningful Mm -hmm. and make the subjects meaningful and close to children. Yeah. Yeah. Plenty of work left to do. (laughs) Yeah. And there were some other nice things as well, like for drama and like the art explosion, lots of different tools. Mm -hmm. And I like how when we develop something, we always share it within a network. So that's one of the ways, very concrete, how we are learning from each other. Mm -hmm. And I think a difference between what we are doing and what I've been hearing from Ireland, for example, it's really about an artist and one teacher and they connect. Mm-hmm. And it's like a ripple effect within the school. So they are experiencing it's growing and then some others might uh, also tune into the project. Mm-hmm. I think with us, it's more we have an organization together with a whole school most of the time. Mm-hmm. And then we grow from there. So a difference is we have teachers who are really full on involved and love it. And teachers who mm-hmm. are required to be involved, but who are maybe 
a little bit hesitant about the creative practice, yeah. be it their own or the children's. Yeah, and sometimes I also teach in HKU's Master of Education mm-hmm. education line for master students. And I put up a new course there this year about creative partnerships and about creative networks. And they really are very interested in what we are doing and uh, well, other organizations. But they were a bit disappointed in the intensity of how much time we are actually working in uh, schools. Yeah. So it is a couple of times in a year, but we're not there permanently, mm-hmm. which is true, I think. So you're, I think this network, as I said, is what we are dealing, what is our core business are relationships and these jewelry. But the relationship is building relationship, which is building trust, which is building a kind of a safe environment to try out and to make mistakes and to try again to, and to learn from each other. I think this is the core business, what we are working on. But because of that, you also have to be there a lot. Yeah. And also, mostly in schools, you know, there's also a kind of a lot of teachers work part-time, which is maybe special for Holland, this part-time mm-hmm. cultus. And of course, there's a shortage of teachers and there is a lot movement in school principles that move from one school to another. And then uh, because we work in relations, then if you're unlucky, you have to start all over again. So this is what we are working on constantly and also why we are putting up these tools and work with this open learning curriculum to try to really ground it in the school so that it's broader than only for a few teachers that are really fond of art, that it will become a part of the curriculum of this school. And that is very interesting, but tough job. Yes, it is a challenge. Uh, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, I think you touched upon something very important there because it's about the balance between You need a personal relationship to be able to build a trust, to be able to fully engage in this creative process within the classroom and broader. But then also we are working towards making it not only dependent on the individuals, but having elements that hopefully land and stay despite, well, people move around, Mm -hmm. which is part of life, of course. So Which is part of life and specific this part of life. It belongs to... The whole system of school and schooling. And I work in art education, I think, for almost, well, more than 20 years now. And I haven't seen otherwise. Of course, there is a kind of a crisis at the moment. But, you know, before it was also like uh, there is this movement of people getting from one job to another. So this continuity is really an issue in projects like this. Yeah. So 20 years, that's quite impressive. What things <laughs> What things did change? Well, I think what changed was the idea that I'm on two legs now. I would, I would like to say that the idea that art is really important is more, you know, has a bigger uh, funding now. Yeah. But on the other hand, it is still, you know, when you look at politics and uh, now in this pandemic, the arts are not even mentioned. No. Yeah. So it is really contradictory. But when I visited these schools the last months, I saw so much welcoming teachers and they were really happy that we came there and that we worked with them and the kids. So I think it's changing and that teachers are more opening up and they are more in a way connected to, hey, there's something happening here, which 
could be very precious. Wonderful. I do think it's very precious, but well, that's <laughs> preaching to my own choir, I guess. So for any children or grown-ups for that matter that would like to learn a craft and in, let's stay with the watercolors, any tips for them mm -hmm. if they want to start practicing? Practicing watercolors? Yeah, just from you as an artist. Yeah. Well, watercolor is maybe a nice metaphor because I've noticed that I have a lot of fans that really are fond of watercolor painting and try it out themselves. Mm -hmm. And of course, there are a lot of tutorials and books and how to do a watercolor. You know, you have to follow a, a certain line. But watercolor for me is really the play with color and lots of water and also give the material space to do what is in its nature and uh, what's it for. And I, as an artist, have to follow. And of course, because I do it for such a long time, I know a bit how my material is working and uh, what are the emotions of this material and the do's and the don'ts and the habits. But in a kind of free way, dealing with your material, I think that is very important. I also see when I work with children, the main issue is to help them overcome their fear. Their fear of not knowing how to, their fear of not trusting on their own quality, but just to dive in something that they didn't do before and that the outcome is always a nice one. It's always more than where you started. Yeah, I imagine with your way of working, it looks like letting go of control, as you say. You do what the material demands of you. And then at first that might feel quite scary because it's the water and all the pigments are running through it. And where is it going? And you are now in a spot because you've been doing it so long that you can predict it a little mm -hmm. bit, but not all of it. So it's really where you are allowed to play. That's what I imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And... I guess the best way, if you would want to work in a similar way, in your own style, of course, it's the, what you did with drawing every day. So you can really learn the material and its habits yeah. for the diehards. Of yeah. And also, you know, stay open to new perspectives or to new materials. So now I'm really into embroidery which I don't know anything about, you know. I did it as a kid of 12. A little embroidery set? or Yeah, I had that, and I had a class in school. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm from the generation that we were taught uh, on school in how to work with textiles and uh, things like that. And I had to knit baby socks, which is not such a good idea for an 11-year-old. <laughs> so I wasn't very fond of that. <laughs> for me, it was a fruit bag. Didn't work either. <laughs> So I threw it away for many, many years. And now, you know, on the other side, I'm turning 60 next year. And this is also a kind of a moment to think about what am I working on and what do I want to do next? And it came on my path again, this uh, working with uh, threads and with embroidery, which is totally different, of course, than uh, watercolor. And that is also really inspiring to pick up another subject and uh, to connect uh, in that with people that are, know a lot about it and work together and see how this is connected to my work with plants and with painting and working with the community. So this is part of the Project Flower Bomb as well? Yes, and something I uh, will continue. So if there are any listeners from the Netherlands, can they still join or see your work somewhere? Yes, there is an exhibition coming up in March in uh, the Kakaofabriek in uh, Helmond. And this is about a huge exhibition about watercolor. 
It's a group, mm -hmm. which is really interesting. And I am uh, working uh, together with uh, the lovely children and women from the refugee camp or refugee institute in Utrecht. And we develop together this embroidery of plants and connect to other groups in Holland that also work with this circle of people of women that work together and find out what embroidery is and how it is linked to culture and heritage and identity. So there's a lot of knowledge and possibilities in working with threats. So new ways to explore. Yeah. And that's always important to also, you know, don't sit still and don't think, okay, I will be this watercolor artist now for the rest of my days. There's always something which is leading to something else. And that's what's so interesting. And it's what keeps you going and making. It's never finished. It never is. That uh, could be a... Good point to round off our lovely conversation. But not before I ask, is there anything you would like to share with us I did not ask about? Well, I really, because we, we of course, we work in Holland in this way. It would also be very nice, but it's more like a wish to make a connection to, and we did that before, but how in other countries people are working on this same goal. And to connect more on that and to, you know, maybe make this city network broader or connect to another city and have some exchange in there. Because I think that's also very important to open up the windows and get the fresh air from each other inside and see different connections and ideas there to get in an extra level of development and learning from each other. Well, the good thing is our partners will be coming to the Netherlands if the pandemic allows us, of course, mm -hmm. in spring. So I'm sure we can manage some connections there. It would, would be lovely to share. That would be lovely. Yeah. It's been so much fun having you here, sharing a bit about the work I'm so familiar with, but hearing it in other words and from your perspective. Thank you so much for that. So lovely to talk to you again uh, on this subject, Maya. And so nice that we are you know, that you as a protagonist of it eh, and being one of the first creative partnerships in this program we are running to share this together. It is, yeah. So thank you for that. We will add all the show notes, all the links to the different websites. If you're listening and not in any of the projects, but you want to reach out and share your knowledge or ideas or want to know more, please contact us. And uh, thanks again. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening to Tapping Into Creativity. In our show notes, you can find more information about our guests and the subjects that were discussed in this episode. If you like what you heard, you can help us reach many more listeners by hitting the subscribe button, giving us a five-star review and sharing the podcast with your friends and colleagues. Tapping Into Creativity is part of iTAPPD which is short for International Teacher-Artist Partnership Professional Development. We are currently building a model and training about partnerships between teachers and artists in education. ITAP-PD facilitates a place and time where we can jointly develop our understanding, expertise and creativity on working with young people. We explore and play with the different perspectives teachers and artists have on behaviour, development and language. 
This podcast was also made possible by funding from Erasmus Plus Strategic Partnership Program. Partners in ITAPD are the Education Center in Tralee, Center za Dramu u Edukaciji i Umetnosti, CEDEUM, Panelinio Dictio Yeto Theatros in Ekpedis, Stichting Copa, Kunsteducatie. We were your hosts, Linda and Manja, from Stichting Copa in the Netherlands. Audio editing was done by Yalda Shahidi. Hope you tap in with us again. Have a nice day.